Good day, everybody. This is Coach Stephanie. I have a new um, cool podcast interview for you. Stuart is an athlete I work with, and he's going to talk about his unique situation that led him to fat adaptation and uh, that allowed him to continue to race. So that's a little, a little teaser. It's a pretty, I think it's an amazing story that you're able to now do the Sportage Triathlon and run marathons. So first, welcome, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and tell me. It's nice, nice to be here. <laughs> nice to see you. So first, um, tell us about yourself. What do you do for a living? And uh, how long have you been doing endurance sports? Um, so I work as a forest. I work at a workers' cooperative. Um, and we own 325 acres of woodland on one site and 90 acres of woodland on uh, on another site. And so I pretty much spend my whole time just working in the woods um, in all aspects of forestry. We also have a sawmill, a uh, mill timber. Um, we sell firewood, basically anything to do with, uh, with wood. Um, I've been doing triathlons now for... Oh, four years, maybe. Yeah, it was just before lockdown um, yeah. that I started doing. It. And then, then yeah, then the, they all got cancelled, obviously. Um, but I was running yes. marathons before that. Um, I'd run London Marathon the first time I ran. It was 2018. Um, and I got into that mainly because I had a fairly um, <clears throat> traumatic injury to my eye. I was strimming at work one day and unfortunately I strimmed through a glass bottle and the glass exploded everywhere and one piece went straight through the middle of the of the right eye um which didn't actually hurt which was was quite was quite interesting because there's no nerve endings in the front of the eye so it just oh. felt like something had gone into the eye um and when you, you know, when you sort of scratch your eye and you just keep blinking a lot. Um, but it wasn't until I got to the hospital that they realised that, yeah, I had punctured a like, half centimetre hole through the middle of the eye. Uh, luckily, it missed. It had gone through the middle. So it just smashed the lens completely uh, before coming back out. I didn't have time to blink before it came back out. Um, uh, ten, five, ten mil either way, it would have embedded in the back of the eye and I'd have lost the eye completely. Um, and that was then how I got into into running uh, again and doing the marathon because I had nine months off work and I'd always wanted to run the marathon when I was a little boy. I used to watch it with my granny and uh, I just never got around to doing it through one thing or another. But while I was in the hospital, it was actually the London Marathon weekend and one of the nurses there said she wanted to run it. So we both decided to run for for blind children um and i did that for a couple of years uh, and everything was all right because they did an operation pulled the old lens out or what was left of it put a plastic one in stitched it back up um and then everything was all right for probably three three and a half four years when i suddenly started to develop headaches um and at first i thought i was dehydrated so i spent a few months making sure i drank enough liquid then came to the conclusion that it wasn't anything to do with um, hydration levels anyway. 
So I booked into Moorfields, which is a, like a private hospital in London. It's like they have the top eye specialists in the United Kingdom there. And I went to see them and they had absolutely no idea what, why I was getting headaches. Um, you know, he said the lens had slipped and he could see that the, the, the light going in was not quite right. But the, the severity of the headaches, which I was getting, which had developed into um, almost severe hangover headaches four to five times a week. Um, yeah, so I ended up staying in bed. I had to have nine months to a year off work with it. Um, and then there's just a chance reading of a book called oh, is it Natural Born Runners. I think it's called Natural oh, Born yeah. Runners. That's yeah. the one by, I, I know the book. I, can't, I, I can't, read remember, that book. can't remember his name now. But yeah, it was a chance yeah. uh, reading that and and um, them going on about how the Christian resistance in World War II managed to cover great distances on what we'd call a starvation diet. And then the going into the science behind it and, and Phil Maffetone uh, and carbohydrate information. And I just thought, hmm, I wonder if I wonder if I've get, I'm suffering from carbohydrate information because I had noticed that the only time or what seemed to help the headaches a lot was training. So if I trained in the morning, like on the bike or something like that, the headaches would ease. Um, but I hadn't linked the the two together like the carbohydrates and the training um yeah one day i woke up with such a bad headache i was like i'm just gonna go carb free now um and then had two weeks of of sort of hell of what am i gonna eat how am i gonna how am i ever gonna eat again um but once once that first initial two-week period was over the headaches vanished pretty much overnight and I think in now that's sort of a year and a half ago. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. I think I've had four, what I would call four severe headaches that have kept me in bed in uh, yeah year and a half. Um, that's awesome. And then, yeah, no, it's it amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, I sometimes think I'd like to eat carbs again, but I'm just too frightened. Uh, I just don't want to have headaches. So life's just simpler well, without them. It's um, a legitimate fear. I mean, that's, and so what I want, and then how did you find me as a coach for fat adaptation? Yeah, so basically I had I had an event coming up, which was probably, I think it was June last year. And I'd been keto then for four months and my, everything nosedived, my times, my, how, 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 how fit I felt how quick I was able to run. It all nosedived for the first two or three months. And I was I managed to find you can, which I've started to experiment with. Um, but really, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I tried to find, I just went on, on the internet and I tried to find um, sort of uh, physical trainers or coaches who understood um, keto, people who just, you know who fueled without any any carbohydrates and i couldn't find anyone in the whole of the united kingdom and so then i just typed in i don't know what i typed in but then it came up with your name and so i literally i sent you a message i think it was the week before the event sent you a message just saying this is what i'm doing next week i've got really no idea what i'm doing <laughs> have you got any tips and you were just like 
don't change anything for race day. Nothing new on race day. Just get through it and we'll talk after it. Um, and yeah, it was it was tough. It was really tough doing that. I know the swim was okay, even though it was like it was a really choppy sea. The swim was good. The bike, I started to die about 40 miles and the run was just, yeah, the run was hell because it was windy um, and it was you know, four really steep hill climbs. So by the end, I was just glad, glad to finish. But yeah, I, I really felt knackered. Um, but yeah, then after that, obviously, we we talked. And since then, everything has gone in the other direction. Times times get faster. I feel better when I'm doing events. Um, yeah. So that really is how I found so, you. So that's, uh, so let's talk a little bit about like, um your fueling before you were because you when you're initially running you were doing the typical high carbohydrate diet that's the one that ended up leading to the headaches correct the typical oh, yeah. diet for endurance athletes yeah i was a carb monster yeah i would i would eat bananas i would eat yeah i'd eat crisps i'd drink lucasade by the bottle um yeah, I would just eat a whole load of carbs. I'd have gels because um, they don't really affect my stomach. I'd, I'd have gels. Um, and then I would yeah drink something like, uh, what was the? Um, oh, tailwind. I don't know if you have tailwind in the United oh, States. Oh, they do have tailwind here. Yes. Yeah, that's like a glucose. I'd, I would always have the flavor, the one without any flavor. I didn't like the, the flavor, the flavor ones. But yeah, basically it was all it was all carbs and nothing else really um yeah just basically what you're what you're taught you need to have uh when you do any endurance event um and then you figured out to go without all the carbs um on your own and then ran that did that half fireman and then you just recently did it uh the uh, swansea how do you pronounce swansea swansea yeah Swansea half Ironman in Wales and you had a great time this time so let's yeah. talk about what fueling was so this is compared to like dying like this is miserable and then <laughs> this time you you did it and you had a did you have a PR uh yeah 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 it was, yeah, it was definitely a personal PR? yeah personal best um yeah, the swim was roughly the same. The swim, it, my swim's always around 37 to 39 minutes. It's, it, that was always the same. The bike was 35 minutes faster than I've done it before. And then the 35 run. 35 minutes is huge. Yeah. And then the run was, uh, what was it? The run was about eight minutes, which is about 35, about 35 seconds per minute mile faster than, than, than I'd run it, than I ran it last year, which again is a huge amount to take off. Um, but fueling wise, so I, for break, for the night before, I tend to have either steaks with eggs and something like a, a cabbage, like a green vegetable like that. Or I'll literally do like half a kilo of steak mince, make a spaghetti bolognese sauce and i'll have cheese and salad and that's kind of what i eat the night before any event now 
Um, and then in the morning, I tend to eat like a German sausage salami type thing, which is a high, obviously quite high fat. And then just some cheese with that, that, that would be my go-to breakfast and maybe avocado. Um, and yeah, just the day before drink a lot of water as well. So my hydration levels are definitely where they need to be to start off with. Um, and then, I mean, the bike was a bit, was a bit different than because it was, it absolutely chucked it down with rain for the first 20 miles. I don't think I've ever been so cold on, on the bike as I was, as I was, uh, yeah, on that day. So it was really hard to put anything in without it sort of affecting my stomach just felt cold. Everything felt cold. Um, but yeah, normally I would have pepperami sausage sticks because they're just really easy to just eat. Again, they're high protein, high fat. Um, and then I've got these little pulsing keto bars, which are like peanuts and um, chicory root fiber is what I always seem to find in. I don't know why, but I seem to find it in, in a lot of keto bar things. Um, yes, yeah, so I'd eat that. Then I would have, just drink water. Electrolytes don't really agree with me, um, so I tend not to tend not to take electrolytes when I'm on the bike or on the run. Um, and then, so yeah, I'll come off the bike, which was a three three twenty three, I think it was. Is that right? Three twenty one, something like that. Anyway, wherever it was, it was it, yeah, it was about three twenty three, I think. Um, came off the bike and then actually felt like I needed something so I had a had a whole UCAN bar which set me up well especially for the first half of the run that um yeah the first half of the run I was sort of under eight minute under nine minute miles around the eight and a half minute miles which was where I was trying to get for the whole run um but then once I had a cramp and then I had a had a wee and then after that I definitely felt I was slowing but um, so then I did on course nutrition. Then what did I get? And I had some jelly babies. So I took four jelly babies uh, um, with about five miles to go. And then with about three miles to go, um, a shot of Gatorade. Um, but that, I think they had they, they probably did have an effect, but it definitely wasn't that usual kick effect that I'd get from having some sort of glucose based based thing. But even so, all my miles were under well under ten minutes, even when I even though I was tiring towards the end. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how the nutrition, and then just water, basically a lot. I'd Did probably... you do any BHB beta hydroxy? Oh yeah, for yes, the yeah. So yeah, so be before the swim, I take, I would take one yeah, BHB capsule, and then on the bike, I took one at the start, and then one halfway through and one at the end and then i didn't take any more on the run basically cool. so yeah it's taken quite a while to to get to a to a nutrition that i feel comfortable with um i think being really cold did i say didn't help at the start so it kind of messed up the it messed up the fueling a little bit um yeah, but then two especially weeks before, when you get out of yeah. the water yeah, you get out of water, you're wet, and then because, but it's funny because coming out of the water, it was warm, and it getting onto oh, the bike it felt the okay. Water. But as soon as you you sort because of, it's all down by the sea, you come out and then you've got a very long drag. It's nice and flat, but you're going into the wind, and then once the rain started as well, yeah, it's just 
it was yeah it was cold it was teeth chattering cold <laughs> on the oh. bike but 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 then i knew it was going to stop so within within an hour and a half it had stopped and then by the end i was quite warm on the bike so um but yeah, yeah it's cool. taken a while to to to, to get a, the fuel in sort of down i mean two weeks before i'd done like the long course weekend and i fueled pretty much the same and i know that was three days so three three events on over three days but i felt really really good on that you know i felt really really strong on you know on the run on on the bike um yeah and the, and in the swim and so uh, but, and it, but that was warm that was a really warm weekend so i don't know whether yeah just everything digestion wise was working a lot better because it was warm um but yeah it was good it was a good it was a good event and um yeah so and after really this pleased. after that combo did you have how did you feel like your recovery went yeah recovery went really well um it's something i've noticed definitely since i've gone gone keto and got rid of the carbs recovery times are at worst 50 percent faster than um than they were before and at best 90 percent. i know when i ran london um last year when i finished i had a massage and as soon as i got off the table so my legs feel great could skip down the stairs which i've never oh my god never i've never been able to do normally like my mum and my mother-in-law will come and watch and they're sort of late 70s early 80s and usually at the end of when I'd run a marathon they would be walking faster than me and laughing at me whereas this time when I'd finished I had the massage got off the table and then when I walked off I was like are you two going to catch up and they were like wow that's amazing so um yeah I mean the calves were a little bit sore the calves were a little bit sore Monday um but yeah nothing I could walk up and down the stairs properly it wasn't that sort of oh no look at them stairs this is going to be a nightmare um and i haven't really since i've gone keto i haven't had um yeah i've never had any of those sorts of really bad like ah oh, yeah the dread days where everything hurts so much that you don't really want to move uh which yeah. is amazing and i'm really yeah i'm just that's just amazing on its own to to have a recovery that's so much quicker um yeah can you talk about like the reaction that your fellow athletes have given you in regards to the change that you've made in your diet? Um, it's uh, it's quite funny because uh, when I when I did London, I you, I'd get there, I'd go to my mum and dad's because I, I live about two hundred and fifty miles from London, so my mum and dad live just outside London. I'd go to theirs, and then in the morning you get the train down, and this the trains are packed with everyone going to run it, and they're all sitting there doing what I used to do, scoffing bananas, drinking LucasAid. And then I'll just sit there and I'll get out sausages and bacon and I'll be eating that. And people are they're just like, what are you doing? And you then end up starting talking about it. And they've they've just never heard about it. Um it's it's amazing. You know, they're just like, what you're actually gonna run London after eating sausages and bacon. And then, yeah, and then, and you're not going to put any of that stuff in you, you know, any gels, any sugary stuff. I said, no, maybe just a few jelly babies. I said, or, you know, a shot of Lucasade um, when, I'm, when I'm on the course. Uh, and yeah, they're amazed. People are 
generally amazed. And then, and the other thing they usually say is, um, "Oh, I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I, you know, I need to have my carbs." And uh, I say to them, "Yeah, I was, I was like you." Um, but, but a lot of them also say that they get to a certain point and they start to feel sick and they start to cramp or they start to do this. And then I'm, and I'm like, yeah, I was similar. I said, you get to a point, you can't put any more of that stuff in you. Your stomach's shutting down because your, your body's in fight or flight mode. So it doesn't want anything else to go in. Um, yeah. And I said, and I used to feel like that. And now I said, I don't. So in fact, the longer an event goes on the better I generally feel. Um, I don't know whether I've convinced anyone yet to change or whether anyone's gone off and changed because of it. Um, I mean, I know I met a guy after London who was very sick. He, you know, he, and then it, but he said, oh, I drank a whole bottle of Lucasade at mile 20, <laughs> which is like half a litre. I was like, I'm not surprised. So drinking a whole bottle of Lucasade at any time probably make you feel sick, let alone when you've done that. But he did seem genuinely um, curious about it because he just said he just couldn't go through that again. Um, but usually it's, one it's, of, a, yeah. it's amazing to me the fear people have. The reason I uh, I adopted a keto diet is because I just, um, my recovery was horrible, similar. I mean, I didn't have an eye injury. I didn't have anything go through my eye, but it's, um, and then I had met some, you know, I did some research and found uh, Ben Greenfield and Paul Check and and then met Peter Defty, who's been on the podcast quite a bit about healing. And it's just a completely different mindset. But it's a hard pill for people to swallow because they people are addicted to those carbs. I mean, if yeah. you if you, if you're glucose dependent, uh not glucose. I mean, because your body makes its own glucose through gluconeogenesis. But if your if your body doesn't oxidize fat very well, you have to take in those carbs or you'll bonk. And yeah, even though insurance, you know, fat adapted endurance athletes still, if they ran out of fuel, they'd have to slow down, but they could keep going. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I've found. I I, I get that. It's almost like the mentally i i get drained but the legs can if, if i'm running the legs can keep going and they don't feel um yeah they don't feel uh like they do when i have carbs where it, just the legs go it's more like oh i can feel that the body is getting tired and slowing down but equally there's still enough energy in there to keep pushing it forward which I never had when I had carbs. You got to that point where it was like, nope, <laughs> that is it. Energy is gone. Um, and then, and then they're actually at that point, that's when I find, yeah, the taking the four, three or four jelly babies has the maximum effect. It is literally like being injected with rocket fuel then. Um, and then you get the kick, the keto kick where you just off you go. Um, but I've also found I, I start I start events a bit slower than other people will start events. Um, I generally don't sprint off, but I get faster and faster as I go through them. As everyone else seems to get slower and slower. Yeah, um, that's a tip. That's a very common fat adapted athlete um, response. 
There's a, then, so what yeah. would you, so you participated in that study in London. So tell us about the study that you participated in. Oh, so, yeah. So there was um, at Kingston University in London. The, um, Matt Carpenter was studying. Um, how was he? What was he studying? He was studying studying fat adapted athletes. Basically, um, it was a self funded thing. So there, it was it was quite difficult to get people because there's not many people around. He had people from all over the world who wanted to come, but they he just couldn't couldn't fund them. But um, yeah, so I I went down to London for it was there was six sessions. Um, it was a day on a day off, um, and we he's basically wanted to see. Uh, okay, so, so I've, I've already forgotten loads of it. I've realised. Um, but but yeah, he he wanted to see yeah what the effects of yeah adding in carbs and things like that to fat adapted athletes what on the bike so what how did we do the study the first part of the study was a steady state on um on an exercise bike where you just pedaled for an hour at a set amount of watts um and just basically went through how you and then every 20 minutes he would say how do you feel you know and he had a scale of one to ten um uh, so one being really easy not much work at all ten being the hardest you could uh you could cycle um and yeah that was basically the first part and every 20 minutes he would prick your finger and take blood so he could see what was going on with your blood glucose levels and yeah basically what you were what what you were burning primarily then after that it was a 10 10k no 10 mile time trial on a watt bike and that was a blind that was done blind so you 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 didn't get to see yourself how how you were cycling you just had to go all out um and cycle and again every 20 minutes he would prick and take your take your blood so he could check your yeah your um your glucose levels also we had um uh, like an oxygen mask on for breathing in and out so we could test how much oxygen's coming in how much carbon dioxide's coming out um and then there were six different there were six different um trials so there was a placebo um then there was Oh God, I can't remember what there was now. Okay, was what did he say yeah, the Yeah. Oh, go on. There, yeah, there was exogenous ketones, um, which is like the BHB. Right. Then there was that was them on their own. Then there was them mixed with some carbs, um, like a small amount of carbs. That's one, two, three. Then there was then there was the carb days where I had to drink these drinks which were high in carbs like 150 grams or something um and you, you didn't know which day you got them um you, you knew the days you kind of had the carb ones because you had to drink them for the two days into the thing but by the end of those two two days i had the worst headache the absolute worst headache uh yeah i remember going in thinking i don't even know if i can get on the bike um but yeah he was 
yeah, he said that's really interesting because he obviously didn't tell me anything. He he, did, he couldn't tell me anything until the, the trial had finished. So because he didn't want to skew potentially skew the results. Um, but yeah, the card days were the days when yeah I didn't feel good at all. Um, and then yeah, so the so the end results were that my body up because it was all done on on heart rate as well as my heart went up. So, but generally at a low heart rate, I'd burn probably three quarters, 75% fats to maybe 25% carbs and maybe even a bit, bit higher than that. Um, maybe 80, 85% if I was in a really sort of low, maybe 120 beats a minute sort of, um, state. And then as it goes up and up, he um when it gets up to like 150 160 when you're really working hard you're supposed to only be burning carbs is what he said but he found that i was burning a minimum 50 50 carbs wow. and fat at, at that at that stage and it was only when it went to over 165 i think that um suddenly yeah switched massively into carbs but you're still burning still burning maybe a third fat maybe maybe a little bit less as it got to 170 it almost switches straight over to carbs but he 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 said i had quite a high level of fat burning still going on which is which traditional um nutrition and like i think he said the australian institute of sport is it who are like they're a massive carb you know, you've got to have carbs. Yes. Yeah, they say it shouldn't, shouldn't be possible to be burning fats at that high thing. You should just be burning solely carbs. Um, and so fat have, having fat and stuff like that is, is pointless. But he's, he said what he's found and what he sees is that fat-adapted athletes will burn a lot of fat still, even when they're exerting more. So they can go further and go longer, which makes perfect sense because it's how I feel when I'm doing an event. Um, they also measured and lactate levels. I just remember, yeah, he measured lactate levels. Um, and I, I like hill climbing on the bike. I'm one of those weird people that really love climbing hills. Um, and I, yeah, I like going up hills quite fast. And that was one of the questions I had for him: is why am I good at climbing hills? I'm better at climbing hills than I'm going on the flats. And he said that when my heart gets to about 150 beats a minute, my lactate levels, instead of going up, going up and going up, they start to drop. So it's like a sweet spot where they drop for the next few, however many beats. And then once you get to 160, they start to go up. And then 170, the lactate goes through the roof. But yeah, the, so the, having, That's that amazing. Sweet spot, That's pretty having cool. that sweet yeah. spot, yeah, about 150 means that, as everyone else is tiring because their lactate's building, mine's dropping slightly, which means I can then push on up the hill a lot quicker. Um, so anyone else who likes hill climbing and, <laughs> yeah, who likes hill climbing, <laughs> goes up quite fast. You're like, ding, Potent ding, ding, here's potentially, the, like, potentially, that's the, that's the same thing is going on with them as it is. It'd be really nice to study, especially someone like, um, what's his name, Julian Alaphilippe, the, the French guy. Yeah who like when he like when he goes off up a hill it's just like wow i've never seen someone climb like that and and then get to the top and still carry on going and still have the energy to keep going 
Um, yeah, I'd love to see what his lactate levels are doing when he's, uh, yeah, after that. <laughs> so what would you, I know you were talking to the people on the bus uh, to the race and the guy afterwards, but what would you tell someone who's like still stuck in the sugar burning, but not feeling great? What would you say the, the best reason, like, because, you know, you go through that two weeks of at least two weeks, sometimes it's less, but many times it's a lot more of suffering to switch to fat adaptation where you have to really buckle down and get your diet pretty. Yeah. So, so what would I say to people who potentially want to do that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say if you can, maybe book the first two weeks off of work if you're working as well um and and before you do kind of research what you plan to eat because it's not as just as i mean it is quite simple because you end up eating a lot simpler you know food's a lot simpler it's a lot less it's way less processed it's like 90 percent less processed um but it's not as simple and easy you can't just go and grab stuff so i'd say research what you what you're going to eat um and which nowadays is easy because you can just go on to the internet because that's what i did quite a lot of. i just typed in you know i want to have lamb mints or something um and just typed in keto lamb recipe and it came back with some ideas um but yeah i would yeah i would say yeah that's kind of what i'd say do that and then just say this is i am going to start today not because I kept saying, I'll just finish the pasta. I've got in, I've got in the in the cupboard. I'll just finish the rice. I've just finished the potatoes. Um, I've just finished this, and and it obviously there's like my kids. They they're carb monsters, um, so there's always carbs in the house. Uh, and I, you know, say so for me, I did. I woke up one day with such a bad hangover headache. I was just like, that's it. I'm today now is when I'm starting. Um, but I wasn't really prepared, prepared, because it, I did. It was just like, what am I going to eat? Um, and, yeah, it took a good week of trying to figure out what I can and can't eat. Um, and, yeah, and then just kept it really simple for those first two weeks. And I think I actually did take some electrolytes. Because um, obviously I've read that electrolytes can help um we not get or you know to help ease the keto type the keto flu is what people call it yeah I, I didn't i didn't feel flu like like flu flu but i definitely had that yeah feeling a bit oh, i've got no energy um as my body's kicking its carb habit um but yeah that's yeah. what i'd say and, and training if you're gonna you want to train in those two weeks i would say take it really easy just don't push yourself at all because yeah I, I i mean where i am i've I've got a climb but when i run if i run to the road i've got probably like a 100 150 feet climb to the road you can't you've just got to run up the hill i couldn't even get up halfway up the hill before i had to stop and walk um and and that was a few months but eventually now i can just run it up it it's, you know and it, yeah it's amazing just what you get what you yeah how suddenly it all kicks in and it all starts working properly but yeah don't definitely don't think do you know what i'm going to go and do a 10 mile run in, in those two weeks 
it's because you're gonna be gonna you're gonna be um disappointed in how far you actually can run um yeah yeah and but yeah fast. but keep doing little keep doing little things and yeah and yeah don't yeah just don't push yourself let allow that time for your body to start the adaptation process um i mean for me i think it took i mean london was when i ran london and that was again was the fastest i've run london and that was october last year that's right isn't it? yeah and i went i went keto in the end of february so what's that march april may june july august so eight months and that was when i when i ran london it was like i this is the best i've felt doing anything since so for me it took a good yeah good six to eight months to fully fully adapt um and then the, then yeah, for I, you, yeah you have oh, days you have days as well where some days you just feel rubbish you know in that time you just feel rubbish and usually for me it was then going back and checking what i'd eaten and it's like oh actually i didn't check that that actually has quite a high carb content you know that might be seven eight percent carbs which in itself isn't a lot but for someone like me and um, with with how my you know the, the inflammation behind the eye reacts it is quite a lot and um yeah so yeah to, yeah if you do have tough days then 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 it's fine um but you have tough days even if you're a carb monster <laughs> I know. Yeah, just training, <laughs> training for an endurance event. There's rough days. Yeah, there. That's just part of training. But I think that um, for you, because you have like the canary in the coal mine, your oh, eye yeah. tells you yeah. like, hey, you need to get back on track or or not. So it's um, it's a book. It's not everybody has that, but the inflammation is still going on in your body. Whether yeah. like you, you just because you have that weak area in your eye that it lets you know, but everybody else who doesn't have that, your body's still doing that. You just don't know because you don't have like a, a check engine light, like your eye is when you get a migraine, it's like a check engine light, like, oh, what are you doing? What kind of fuel did you put in this machine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's always well, it's always carbs for me. It's never it's never anything. I mean, I don't, again, I don't really, I don't really drink at all. Um, I definitely don't drink beer or anything anymore. I occasionally have uh, maybe a shot of vodka or something. But, um, yeah, Jen, I'd say, yeah, 99% of the time, if I get, end up with a headache or feeling rough, it's because the carbs have been slightly too high in the diet. Um, it's very rarely it's something like dehydration. I'm, I'm pretty good with keeping myself hydrated um and ca caffeine's another thing like if i i'll have a coffee um sometimes but it's another thing that can kick off the um kick off the, the headache slightly um so yeah I'm, I'm just quite aware of of all those of all those things and and try to um yeah i suppose now I try and eat and drink as naturally as i possibly can um uh, yeah and find it's just yeah generally i gen feel a lot better joints feel a lot better as well i don't have like sort of joint aches which i used to have when i had carbohydrates um yeah and i don't have any more flexibility but i have a better range of of, of movement uh, like i can you know i can get up and down a lot easier um yeah that's awesome 
Yay. And it's been a pleasure working with you because I love, love talking to you and hearing how great you're doing. It's, it's really fun. So it's, uh, yeah. although mostly, because no, I, I, I feel like we got the, the nutrition dialed in. We mostly just talk about training now, but, um, yeah. I think it's, that's, that's what I think people don't realize about, um, the whole process, not only is it all getting all your nutrition dialed in, uh, it's also having your training where it sort of matches like, Hey, you have a fair amount of training that you're not using any fuel. And then you yeah. have training that you do use strategic carbs, which we can talk about later, but I, I very much appreciate you taking the time to talk to me on the podcast no, and, okay. and telling your story, because I feel like it's a unique story that a lot of the people, yeah. <laughs> they hear about this fat adaptation thing and they're like, should I, shouldn't I? But for you, it was literally like, is my, am I going to be able to function or not function? Yeah, definitely. You know, and that- I, I, yeah, I don't think if I hadn't found it, I still think I would be struggling with the headaches now. Um uh, yeah, and then that's now like that'd be three and a half years of of severe headaches, and yeah, that would have just worn me down. Um, and I say it was just yeah. a chance, just a chance finding reading with that book um, that sort of set me off on it. And yeah, I just wish that there was more stuff out there, and that more people were aware of it. Um, like I said, they say you go to the expos for the London Marathon before all the so-called nutrition people, they don't even have a clue. They just like when you say you don't have carbs, they're like, well, how do you manage to fuel? And it's just like, wow, you're an expert on nutrition, supposedly, and and fueling on in, in events. And you have no idea about the how the body actually works and fuels. Um well, yeah, that's because that's what they're taught. People. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. And it, I wouldn't have found it either if I had good results eating like that before. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, um, it made me sick. Yeah. And I, I happen to have the genes that, you know, genetically speaking, I think it lends to people can handle carbs a lot better and people who don't. My husband still eats quite a bit of carbs, but he doesn't have the ill effects like I do. Like when I eat a, a ton of carbs, like I'm sick, it'll, it can knock me out for a couple of days, just feeling like crap. So yeah, yeah. you think... can eat cheese and I cannot. Yeah. Which I... And, and, double, and double cream, which I, I don't know if you call it double cream or if, you, if it's heavy cream, you might call it. I think we just call it heavy cream. Yeah, we call it it's heavy like cream. 50% fat. I, I, yeah. So that I will drink in, in, you know, various or having things. I have about, um, what's that a litre and a half what's that how many pints is, is that three pints a week is a pint oh, uh, a pint's 568 uh, mils isn't it yeah so i'd have about three pints of double cream a week <laughs> my, my my dad's convinced he still says you're gonna you know you're gonna get all these health problems it's like no dad it's it's like yeah if you believe everything they tell you and i if i ate lots of carbs and had all that cream definitely would have health problems um but yeah you know so so i've had i had a a medical um because i had to have some for insurance for work and that was really interesting because it was like right okay i'm not going to tell them anything 
I'm not going to tell them this is what I do and this is how I am. Yeah. I'm just going to let them do the medical and get them, let them come back to me with, you know, what they said. And they, because they, the first thing they say is, oh, we need to take a resting heart rate. And they say, sit very still because if it's over 75 or something like that, 70 or 75, then you can't get insurance because you're, it's too high. So I didn't move. Mine was in the mid 40s. And, and then when she did everything, she checked, she did blood checks and did things like that. She came back and said, you're really healthy. Yeah, she said, you know, do, do you do any? I said, yeah, I said, I do like the the um, the 70.3 Ironman or triathlons. Um, and I said, and I don't eat any carbs. And she was like, oh, what do you mean? And then obviously then you get talking about it. And she's like, well, it's obviously working because you're really healthy. You're not, you haven't got any unhealthiness in you, um, which was good because it was really nice. I just wish I'd done a medical before I stopped eating carbs because then I could have had a really yeah. good comparison of how my body was reacting. And especially with things like insulin, it had been really nice to see where the, what my level of resistance was when I was still stuffing myself full of carbs um, yeah. as, as, as to what it is now. But unfortunately, yeah, we didn't. And you're not going back, so you can't that. find out. Nope, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm not yeah. going back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no desire to go back. Uh, yeah, I've got like I've got a five acre small holding. So and I've just got some sheep and I'm going to get a cow next year and we have chickens and ducks and things. So even if the end of the world comes about, I'll still be able to eat my meat. I still have to have my <laughs> my dairy. Um, I and you got some solar panels too, didn't you? Like yeah, they've not you... they've not gone yet. I'm trying to figure at the moment. I'm, I've got this already. I've been trying to get my mate who installs them to tell me what rails I need to have for the solar panels to sit on because apparently different panels need different rails. And so as soon as he does that, uh... they they they'll go on the roof and then yeah, hopefully everything will be off grid then. I'll have enough to be off at least we're... for the majority of the year. Yeah, yeah. we. I mean, we get a lot of sun here in Phoenix, but you guys oh, yeah. do how much sun? Yeah, and it's hot as heck here right now. It's uh, we've yeah. had like a certain number of days of high over 110, and I I've been doing my training Never been indoors. That yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't blame <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. mean it's. And usually I can handle the heat, but for some, you know, when it gets to 113, 115. That's, that's too hard what, which is I don't, how much is that celsius like um oh 40 something ridiculous i don't it's never, celsius it's never to been per, that hot ever in wales yeah never it's uh one one uh 117 was the high it was 47.2 yeah no, it's huh. never ever ever been that hot in 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 britain ever um what's yeah. the highest it's ever been in britain hottest in britain uh, it, it probably probably around 40 degrees um which is probably what 100 and maybe 100 101 102 would that be 104 104 england is 40.3 which is the hot and then you're in wales which is yeah uh 37.1 which is 98.8 yeah yeah, that, that, that's literally the hottest it's been. <laughs> we do get quite a lot, we do get quite a lot of sunshine. Yeah, you know, it's one like oh, that's good. Like, 
like the area I live in is one of the sunniest places in the in the UK. Um, but we just get, to... we just get a metre more rain than if you go to London, they get a metre less in depth of rain in a year than we get. That's pretty oh, really? much the only difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When it rains here, have... it rains. We went to visit Ireland and it was cloudy, not really rainy, but it was cloudy and rained some literally the whole time we were there. And I'm like, I'm used to seeing the sun. So it'd probably be nice to visit a place that's green and sunny. Yeah, well, with Wales, it's hit and miss. You can you can come over and like we from like this year, we had like sort of a month and a half where it was really dry and really warm. And now it's kind of it's gone unsettled again. So we like today's been a nice day. Yesterday was nice. Tomorrow it's gonna actually tip it down with rain again. But then that's what happens. That's how that's why it's always green. Yeah. Without that's why rain, you have like your big garden and all that. Yeah. It's it's pretty brown. Even my I have some citrus trees and they're they're looking a little peaked. They're like, we can't handle it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great talking to you, Stuart, on the podcast. I hope people appreciate your story. I've I've messaged Matt Carpenter and he's messaged me. Um, but yeah. we haven't just connected because i would love to interview him for the podcast too and then we can talk yeah. about because you gave me permission to talk about your results so we could talk about your yeah, results definitely. yeah oh yeah definitely he, he, he has a way better understanding of it and a handle on what's actually going on um and and the good thing he's, he's a really pretty smart he's guy really yeah it. he's really into it as well he's like really excited like when you talk to him yeah you can tell he's really really into the whole sort of the yeah, idea of people doing things differently um awesome. and yeah no it was, re- it was really nice i'm yeah i was really glad that i got on onto the study and um yeah I'm, I'm hoping in the future again that we may be able to do some other he said if there's any other things we want to do or try and figure out any other studies he's hoping that we can yeah get something up and running um it'd be great if you could get some fun be great if you get some funding and he could make it a much bigger study. I wonder um, if he could get some yeah. crowdfunding because that's the part of the problem is that there's a lot of funding for sugar because it's, you know, yeah. the amount, the cost of the sugar that goes in the gels and goos is a fraction. I think sometimes even the packaging is more, more expensive than the product. So, you know, there's oh, right, big yeah. profit margins. There's not like, there's not a big profit margins on meat production. There's not big, profit margins on a lot of those things so it's not um it's not cost effective as some other other type fuelings regardless of how much damage all that sugar does to you but it's and athletes who become addicted to them don't ever want to stop consuming them because they're afraid, the big fear of the bonk so, um, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's funny because the, the consuming them is what creates the bonk. Um, and, I and, know, yeah, so I know. Like, yeah, I suppose yeah. I, my, one of the things I definitely had, which um, I suppose is something I'd say to people is trust that you that you need less than you think you need. Because I when I first went over, I'd eat, I'd drink quite a lot of you can and I'd eat quite a lot. Or I'd eat maybe two or three you can bars. But they kind of had a negative effect because it was still too much carbohydrates going in. And I found the less I take, the faster I get or and the better I feel. Uh, and it's just trusting that your body has everything it needs. If you've trained it properly, 
because obviously you can be keto, but you've got to train it properly. You've got to put in the time. But yeah, if you've trained it properly and you're fat adapted properly, then yeah, it's amazing what the body can do without having to put all that stuff in that everyone else is putting in. Um, yeah. It's great a running. A little bit goes a long hour. way. It's yeah. great running, not having to carry all this stuff with you um, <laughs> that everyone else carries. Um, yeah, so... But that, yeah, that's definitely one thing I would say to people is trust that, yeah, your your body doesn't need to have as much as you in your head think it needs to have or put in actually on an event um, because it's in there already. Your fat's already in your body. So, um, yep. yeah, that's yeah, definitely. very cool. Thank you, Stuart, so much okay. for taking the time to talk to me. And that's then great. I, I wanted to interview Stuart because I... I thought other folks would want to hear it. And then I want to write a, a couple articles about it because I think that it would be good for people to hear his story and realize there's a different way to fuel. You know, if you, if the, yeah. all the carbs aren't working for you, you can try a different way. So yeah. thank you. I will talk to you next week. Actually, we'll talk about training and coaching yeah. and, uh, and have, um, so you, we can get ready. You're doing the Boston Marathon next, right? Or you're going to do that other half Ironman, the Wales, the other one. In yeah, Wales. and I'm hoping I'm hoping to do wait no Weymouth. That's on the south coast of England. Oh, um, but it's yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. I mean, the UK is such a small country in comparison to America. It's like it's probably a hundred and now maybe two hundred miles from me. Maybe not even that. Oh, but that that's yeah, pretty I'm much going to the most way across the country. So. <laughs> The Santa Cruz 70.3 is my next race, which I'm actually, I needed, like my training is not going great uh, because of just lack of, I just haven't been riding my long rides because of the heat. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's, I think it's a 12 hour drive for me. So it's. Um, oh yeah. And the, the other thing I've just bought is an endless pool. Oh, it's did you? Me, my, my, me yeah. and my, when I got back from Swansea, I was like, oh, I think I've been thinking about one for ages. And um, my my mate, he he, we just talked about, it and then he started sending me all these things. So we we're gonna make the pool ourselves because I've got all the wood and we've got the we've got a liner and everything. But then we actually bought a whole the whole unit and all the bits and pieces for the filtration. Um, oh, and very we got cool. them got them fairly cheap as well. And Very so, nice. it, yeah, the, oh, hopefully by the end of September, I will have had, I'll have it up and I'll be able to then start swimming in the endless pool. Because I'm one of these people, I love swimming. I just don't like swimming with loads of other people. And so, and I know when you do an event, you've got no choice. But yeah, it's just really nice to not have to swim in, in like lanes with people or to turn at the ends. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep you posted. I hate on. the turning at the end. So I'll there's a, my on, race. On I would love to have a. That's yeah. cool. I would love to have one of those because I hate going to the pool and changing yeah. my clothes, getting in the water, swimming, having to wait, and then I like. I would much rather swim at the lake just so I could just keep going. I go to the lake yeah. once or twice a week. There's a lake close to me, Lake Pleasant. I was there yesterday. Um, it's 11 hours and 12 minute drive and it's 718 miles to, wow. <laughs> and it's only one state over. So it's, I'm driving yeah. from Peoria, Arizona, Phoenix to Santa Cruz, just South of San Francisco. So I'm going to go halfway, spend the night with my sister and then go the rest of the way. But 
yeah it's yeah. uh it's my first triathlon since i injured my back but um well yeah my first half ironman since i injured and wh- when back, so. when's that what date is that it's september 9th september 9th oh, just right, around okay. the corner so this is like this is my long bike ride ride time so yeah. it's um yeah i need to get out there and i have a gravel race i'm doing steamboat springs gravel ride and i'm gonna i think this weekend i'm just gonna go up to the mountains so i can get out of the heat and ride because it's so blazing hot yeah so all right i'll talk to you next week Stuart. thank you very much you're welcome bye